you, you've got kids, you get it. I mean, you're not just responsible for yourself. Yeah. You gotta, quoting Uncle Lucius, you gotta keep the wolves away. Yeah. And that's real, man, that is freaking real. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Nomad Strength Show. I get to do an in-person one today, which is cool. I don't, I was just telling uh, Gentry here, my guest, that I don't get to do these very often and makes everything a lot nicer to have conversations when I can just sit in a room with somebody. But um, I'm here with Gentry Jensen, who we're over here at the big warehouse at Cordova Coolers, which is cool. Got to take the tour, go get a look at everything. We're actually in the middle of a little bit of a shutdown, you said, because of the heat, but Still got to look at the whole operation, but man, I'm I'm pumped and thanks for letting me come out and sitting down to chat for a little bit. Yeah, awesome to have you here. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of different avenues we can take, um, but you've got some cool history leading up kind of to this. So I want to just kind of go back in time, essentially, and work through the timeline. Uh, you were in the '90s. You you'd mentioned you did some some work in the SEAL teams, and uh, I want to know what led you to go into that first like like even give me the before like sure. where was that in your dream was that like what you wanted to do from young age and how did that come about yeah uh i grew up in kansas mm -hmm. so in the heartland didn't see the ocean until i was 16 um <clears throat> but loved the water my whole life i swam that was my sport mm -hmm. uh and not to date myself but i remember the first top gun yeah before maverick and the Navy was a, they were a pretty savvy uh, marketing machine when yeah. that movie came out. Oh, I bet. And it made like a huge, like a, a legitimate recruiting boom coming out of that movie, didn't it? I, yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, anybody that says the government doesn't know how to market, <laughs> you know, they, they do. Yeah. Um, so that uh, just sort of opened my eyes to the, the, military in the first place. And then I, mm -hmm. uh, did a little research and got familiar with the Naval Academy back in Annapolis, Maryland, mm -hmm. um, applied. They have to take somebody from every state. It's mm. congressionally mandated. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's kind of a good deal if you're from Kansas. Right. I bet. Because, uh, <laughs> the competition's a little lighter than it is if you're from Virginia or California. Yeah, I bet. Um, so got, uh, the opportunity to go there, went there for uh, college for mm -hmm. undergrad. The Navy will pay for it, but you owe them some time afterwards. Sure. That was a deal I was happy to make. Uh, didn't necessarily go there wanting to be an aviator, but just uh, thought it was a cool place and set mm -hmm. my sights on uh, Naval Special Warfare is what they call it. Yeah. Pretty soon after getting there and uh, figured if I had the Navy five years is what you owe them. Okay. Might as well make the most of it. Yeah. That seemed to me like a, a good way to do it. Yeah. So graduated, uh, went out, went through training, and then spent eight years um, in the Navy before life circumstances changed, family came along, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, does that answer the kind of yeah. story? Yeah, for sure. And I'm curious too, because in that time period, like in the 90s when you were in, I think the idea of seals were way different than like what they've become in the last maybe decade plus where maybe it kind of seems now that they're like the military celebrities almost to a point you know like where 
seems like there's that's what all the movies are made about that's what all the shows are about like was that even remotely the case back when you were involved or was it just they were actually the true like kind of underground guys back then oh it's a it's a interesting question because there has been quite a bit of public celebration i guess yeah um so celebrities maybe not a totally inappropriate term at all yeah uh over the past couple decades yeah you know the world changed in 2001 um and what we're talking about right now was mostly prior to that yeah and and there's chapters before i came along too right like the seal teams were commissioned by president kennedy right so they go back to the Mm -hmm. early 60s and then the Vietnam era, the men with green faces, the snake eaters. Yeah. Um, we liked to think of ourselves as the quiet professionals or, you know, just blending into the background. Yeah. That's, uh, that was the, and, and I, I don't mean to say that it's not still, it's just that there's sure. been a lot of, there's been a lot of situations that have called for that sort of unique skill set that the training right. gives to guys that has resulted in some publicity and yeah um and you know how to deal with that is something everybody's got to work out for themselves but there was a movie back in the 90s i don't mean to say that like nobody'd ever heard of the actual seals movie right charlie sheen that's the one (laughs) yeah which was essentially a low budget remake of top gun right right the soundtrack wasn't quite as good they played golf instead of volleyball (laughs) but it was you know, Charlie Sheen was Tom Cruise. Yep. Um, and there were some good scenes in it, right? It was kind yep. of fun, but it was, there's no shortage of cheesy military movies. That's <laughs> not, that's by no means the cheesiest. Sure. But uh, yeah, the, the, the sort of publicity that the, um, the community has gotten definitely spiked. Yeah. In the, in the wake of 2001. Well, and it makes me think too, like, if if what we're seeing with that now is was is kind of similar to like the Top Gun phenomenon in the eighties, right? Like that maybe that's kind of the point is we want more of these guys, so let's like make them look as awesome as they are in media and make do movies and stuff. It kind of seems like that's probably and I didn't even really think about it until like just now. Like there's probably a point to that. Like you said, they know military knows how to recruit pretty well. And I'm sure that's probably at least a little bit a part of it is bringing more of those guys in and making them popular. For sure, needs of the Navy factors in, right? And yeah. There's been a lot of hard miles put on a lot of good dudes over the past 20 years. Yeah. Because um, there's been a lot of demand for for the work that they do. Yeah. You, there's a you know a saying that you can't mass produce um, special forces. It takes time. Yeah. And really, uh, you guys have got to have their heart and soul in it. Yeah. And you got to make sure that you're not compromising the standards because that in the end will compromise mission success. Sure. So weighing all that out and doing the calculus for, okay, I got to, I got to sign up this many people, you know, to feed the funnel. Right. Um, for sure. That's part of it, but making sure that you're getting the, the end product, not to commoditize it too much, but making sure you're getting the right kind of, uh, warrior yeah out of it at the end of it is absolutely crucial when when you were involved and this is just i because i'm not sure within the teams like do you have different specialties in each and what was your avenue that you were a part of 
Yeah, so the basic fighting unit is a SEAL platoon. Yep. And that's 16 guys, uh, two officers. So um, there's an officer in charge and then an assistant officer in charge. Uh, and then each of them lead a squad of eight. Those squads are broken down into two format fire teams. Okay. And then the fire teams are broken down into uh, pairs. Okay. So you never do anything alone. The basic, the 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 most basic unit or smallest unit, I get the platoon being the basic unit. The smallest mm-hmm. unit is you, your swim pair, you and your swim buddy. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, there's different skill sets. So as an officer, you uh, would focus on the mission planning and the tactical execution of the mission. Mm-hmm. And then within a squad, uh, you'd have your, your marching order. Um, but by skill set, you're looking at having a sniper, um, a couple heavy weapons operators, yep. um, a, a corpsman, a radio telephone operator, somebody that's getting you communications where you need to get. And then in terms of, functional areas with, you know, SEAL being an acronym for sea, air, and land. Right. So you've got guys that take care of the gear that gets you through all those. you got your riggers for your parachutes. Gotcha. you got your yep. first lieutenant guy for your boats and motors. Um, so mm-hmm. each of the guys in the platoon, down to the uh, level of redundancy of having two for everything, because two is one and one is none, right, Yep. is responsible for one of those areas. So okay. There's always two people that can do the job in case one goes down. That, from an efficiency standpoint, makes a lot of sense. Like, because <laughs> that way, like you said, someone or something wrong happens, there's somebody right there to step back in and fill that void. Is there, uh, and I'm sure that's probably also, I imagine anyways, carried over into how, does? I mean, does all that stuff from your military time like still kind of sit with how you operate business-wise and how you structure things in business? I would say, you know, a few axioms or cliches, whatever you want to call them, that have stuck. Two is one and one I, is none. I saw definitely. slow, smooth, and smooth is fast. Slow, smooth, yep, and smooth. Yep, I saw that fast. one on the banner. It's definitely another one. Yep. Yeah. Because um, if you if you try and force it too quickly, you're going to mess it up and have to do it over. Yeah. Don't eat demo. That's a that's a true statement. Um, let's see. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just think don't about eat that demo. for a second. That's um, a good one. Somebody find me the brass magnet. Yep. Yeah, that doesn't exist. That's funny. Uh, I, yeah, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Two is one, one is none. Yeah. Take care of your gear, and your gear will take care of you. Yeah. When it's time to clean up, you clean up the team gear, your gear, and then your scrawny little pencil neck body. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, take care of yeah. yourself last. Seems like there's always some sort of hierarchy essentially in and i mean that's exactly what the military is right like that's all it really is one from a communication standpoint is hierarchy but a lot of that makes sense and i've you know after having a handful of guys some of whom were teams guys also but then various other you know specialties and branches and operations of the of the military there's there's always like a handful of things that stick with the guys when they go on to do other things and a lot of it some some guys like they just replicate exactly like the structure when they go to start a business, they run it just like teams are ran. Right. But then there's some guys where it's like, here's two or three things that like made the biggest difference or that stuck with me made the most sense. How can I apply that to this new situation while not making it essentially like making, not making this whole organization a seal team. Yeah. Right? That's like, a good, that's a good observation. Yeah. So uh, when you're going from the teams, you mentioned uh, earlier, like you went from there and then did, 
business school, like went into that route and, and was that like, what spurred that on? I mean, coming out of it, I, I know the transition period for a lot of guys is, can be difficult, can be different. There's not a lot of plan happening or no plan, right? Like, were you thinking about this while you're in what you're going to do when you're out or did you just like get done and you're like, now what kind of a thing? Yeah, no, that's, that's a, a good question. Um, I didn't go to the Naval Academy or into the Navy thinking about what I wanted to do after the Navy. Sure. You know, I kind of yeah. thought, Hey, this is, this is awesome. Were you thinking you would be a lifer and then it didn't end up that way or did you just not? You I wasn't sure? thinking I wouldn't. Be. Okay. Yeah. I was leaving it open, but yep. I wasn't, by no means was I a, I owe five years on five years and one day I'm punching out. Right. Right. I was like, this is pretty, this is pretty, I like this. Yeah. Um, I was 22 at the time and uh, my daughter was born when I was 29. Okay. And then, you know, it was time to, for me, everybody's yeah. got to work through this for themselves. But for me, it was time to sort of take stock of what's my next step going to be. I was at a little bit of a fork in the road and I could go this way and stay on the Navy journey. Yeah. Um, or I could, uh, go another way, which probably meant cutting ties. Cause sure. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to have your heart in two places. Right. Um, especially in, in a, you better be all in. like that. Like yeah. you can't be yeah. pulling away and thinking about other stuff when you're doing what you're doing. You, I don't know if you swear on this podcast, but you damn well better be all in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You owe it. You owe it to everybody yep. to be all in. Yeah. Um, but we were out at the desert training facility one time, which is a, a remote and Spartan place. Okay. Uh, thinly populated. Okay. And this, uh, this news crew showed up from like good morning America or something like that. And that doesn't happen. Yeah. So we're just like, what, what's going on? And they were just getting some, I think you call it like B roll footage. Yeah. Yep. Okay of us doing our little um, dog and pony show out there in the desert mm -hmm. to use for a story they were doing on a guy that had gotten out of the Navy, gone to business school and was doing pretty well. Um, he was I, something in government working for um, a department that was doing pretty well. Sure. And I'm not trying to be opaque. I don't remember exactly. But yeah. The name Erskine Bowles is in my my head. I think he was working for Erskine Bowles. Okay. And so they were telling us the backstory and business school was a, a component of it. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And then that was a junior, you know, I might've even still been an ensign at that point. I was a junior as junior as officers get. Um, and, but it just over time uh, was something that I noticed a lot of people that were deciding to make the transition rather than stay in the Navy, we're opting for that to go get an MBA. Gotcha. And it uh, seemed like a good way to transition, yeah. right? You're not just cutting that cold turkey, um, you know, dropping your, your operating gear one day and then showing up in the office the next Suit day. Suit tie the next What day. the hell? <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it allows for a little bit of a transition. Yeah. And so the year I got out, there were nine junior officers that I would, you know, call in my peer group. And I think every one of us went to business school rather than straight into the civilian workforce. Oh, okay. So it had become sort of the, um, the, the traditional or the default option for guys getting out. Yeah. And 
Um, thankfully for all of us, if we weren't um, that much of a academic uh, rock star in undergrad, right. the business schools in particular tended to take life experiences into account and want oh, nice. to yeah. not necessarily have a, a device diverse person but a diverse class yeah so a variety of perspectives yep and a group that kind of was underrepresented uh was the military and in particular the special uh warfare community so we had some good options to choose uh from in terms of schools to go to and then career options after that but it was a way to tra that was the way to transition right and i'm thinking too at that time like late 90s early 2000s right internet businesses weren't like a thing no. yet you know and so like MBA at the time probably was still like the best way to get into a lot of other work or having like, that was, you know, not to say it doesn't matter now, but degrees in those realms mattered a lot more around that time. So that probably was like the, the better route to go. Especially if you were looking to augment your skill set. Right. Right. Like I didn't know what an income statement was, what a balance yeah. sheet was. I didn't know. Yeah. And, and, and if you were looking to go into a more traditional career, banking, consulting, yep. you know, being the, the primary ones that most people would consider coming out of a, an MBA program, yep. that was sort of the gateway. To and that was where you said you went was like the banking route? Initially I did, yeah. 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 In, um, in what, what fashion? So I went to work for JP Morgan doing uh, private wealth management in New York. Um, and it just was not uh, a fit. Yeah. I, I liked the bank. Um, I even liked the work. Really, it was just a, you know, I'm a small town kid from Kansas. My wife's from a slightly larger town in Ogden. Yep. Or of a slightly larger town in Utah. Right. Ogden. Um, we're just not, we thought we were actually going to be moving to Denver with the bank. Oh, okay. And we ended up being in New York and it just was. Yeah, that's a bit different. <laughs> it was the wrong time in our lives. We had a yeah. baby or, you know, a toddler um, and another one on the way and just wanted to be a little closer to family. Uh, but it, it was. It was interesting to try and figure out what to do for a civilian career in the mm -hmm. midst of a class of people that by and large probably already knew because mm. they had that civilian work experience. And, yeah. And I was trying to sort of catch up and I was a little slow to catch up. Did you feel like, could you feel that in that environment? Like you felt like you kind of didn't fit from that perspective? I would, I, I would say everybody was super cool. Right. And I definitely have great friends from there and did not feel ostracized at okay. all. But, felt like there was stuff they took for granted that they knew that I just oh, didn't know. Sure. Uh, be, and, and, you know, there was stuff that wasn't terribly applicable that I knew that they didn't know. Right. Like you're not going to get more than three, air, three hours out of a dragger. <laughs> not really. doesn't matter now, right. but good to know. Good yeah. To know. So yeah. were you thinking from then, because after this was, now, I mean, because I'm sitting here in the building yeah. of of the company that you that you own, right? And yeah. I'm I'm wondering where in the line was this thought of now I'm thinking ownership or yeah. building something and taking it or taking taking something that exists, taking it several levels up. Like yeah. from that experience in Bangor where you're like, I don't really know if this is 
if this is what I want, like, where did that transition happen? What was there something like happen that then it clicked and you're like, this is what I want to do. I would say it was, uh, even a blind dog finds a bone every once in a while. Okay. But yeah. if I try to look back and distill it, uh, I felt like I was a little behind, um, my peer group going into banking because, hmm. You know, they, they had pre-MBA experience by and large, mm -hmm. and I was coming in cold. Yeah. And not that I uh, minded playing catch-up or anything like that, but I just, I did feel a little bit behind. Yeah. And then we made the lifestyle decision to move west, and I knew that that was going to pull me off the sort of traditional post-MBA track. Right. That I tried hard to get on at Just school. from a sense, like just from a opportunities standpoint, yeah. like there's just less... Like the mountains, you know? Yeah. And yeah. If, if you leave, you know, you leave your banking job without another one lined up, you know, and I was there for a year or so, um, not long enough to yeah, parlay it into something else or, or lever it into something else. Right. I was probably going to have to choose a different track. Sure. And it ended up being more small business based and, um, still a little bit on the, the, um, management side okay um and then more on the operational side as well which okay. i like because you know having your finger on the pulse of things and trying to make sure they get done that resonates with the sort of navy experience that i mm -hmm. I'd had and i could i could i could figure that out a little quicker sure uh but i i think to your point about how to how to get from a to whatever letter we're at right now call it t <laughs> right um there's there was also a desire to try and control my own destiny. I mean, everybody's got that right. That's yep. hardwired into us. But um, uh, it just has sort of worked itself out over time. You know, a few different opportunities have come along where I've had a little more autonomy, a little more opportunity, and just mm -hmm. uh, have kept trying to build on those. It would be uh disingenuous to say there was any sort of grand plan sure but i like being accountable to myself yeah and i one of the really common one of the really common sentiments and this is even including myself having run my own operation for yeah yeah you know, seven it. eight years now yeah right like one of the really common sentiments from guys that run companies at all levels is there's a million things that didn't work before a couple of the things that started to work. And then you build off the momentum of those things. That's good to hear. Cause right. I, I feel that. <laughs> right. yeah. Well, that's like, that's what I was wanting to, to ask about. Like, I'm sure there was, you know, that cause that's what everybody experiences. Like nothing really ever works the first time you try it on day one. Right. So yeah. you, you mentioned like you're going in more of the small business route and there was a couple of different things. Like what were some of those things where you're like, Oh my gosh, this didn't happen either. Like what, like there's, there's all of these common entrepreneur struggles that like everybody, I make the joke to my wife, I don't know, maybe like three or three or four times a year, there'll be like a week where it just feels like, why am I even doing this? You know? And it's like, I'm going to take this computer and just send it careening off a cliff into the ocean. Be like, I'm done. I'm just going to go work at Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> like just go get a job somewhere. Like, yeah, yeah I don't want to do this. But then I always come out of it. But like, there's all those moments that I think every entrepreneur maybe feels at some point. But when you're building stuff over the course of years and you know even decades or whatever, 
how you, I think, how you get over those hills and keep going, I think, is what ends up making people successful. It's not just like there's usually like a grand, huge idea. It's like people just, these are the guys that stuck around the longest and kept doing it. Yeah. You know, it wasn't too dumb to quit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is that sort of what you would imagine your experience was similar to in a lot of the building of the different things you've done? Definitely more of that than let's uh, develop and execute on this grand strategic plan. Right. Check, done. <laughs> right. On to the next. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I uh, have heard and I'm fond of saying that education always costs money. Yeah. Damn it. I'm tired of learning sometimes. <laughs> I get that, man. Yeah. I get that. Because your mistakes, you know, you're going to pay for them. Yeah. In literal money, yeah. a lot of times, most of the time, yeah. or or time, or sometimes even like relationships, you know, yeah. that, that can sometimes suffer as a result of things. But like like you said, too dumb to quit is a pretty good way to... That, that's not mine. That's from the Navy too. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Um, what were some of those things that you guys got started into early on prior? I mean, because you've been here three years now. Yeah, we've been here three years. So, yeah. I mean, what, what were some of those other business things that you did. And, you know, it, I'm curious too, just from like, uh, as a business owner myself, were there some of those moments where it was like, this sucks? Why are we doing this? And then like, what did you do to get past that? You know? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, the early 2000s, the mid 2000s up until the recession. Yep. Uh, were pretty good. Yep. And then personally and professionally was overexposed to real estate. Mm. Uh, with, with my current business partner, we had a, a previous, uh, fund that was invested that okay. went through the wood chipper and had to work it out. And he bore the brunt of that. And I have to say, uh, but that that's, that's back to the education costs money and it's right. a learning experience, but I don't want to learn that lesson again. That was, right. that I imagine was a pretty rough one. That specific, that specific one. Yeah. Just because of the industry and what what time it was. Yep. And you, you got kids, you get it. I mean, you're mm-hmm. not just responsible for yourself. Yeah. You got to quote an uncle Lucius. You got to keep the wolves away. Yeah. And that's real, man. That is freaking real. So, you know, I kind of did what I had to do to do that. And mm-hmm. then had an opportunity come up, uh, through a, a friend and neighbor for, uh, another small business, but manufacturing and, okay. uh, looking for, somebody to sort of come in, uh, partner up and help yeah. it get going, had some good tailwinds. And that was mostly focused on, uh, uh, mobile phones, accessories. And, uh, that was a good run and it was fun. Um, did that for a number of years. Uh, and then that sort of led, led to the point where, uh, looking for the next opportunity, um, yeah. found Cordova and uh love making stuff love that we make products in the u.s mm-hmm. love that it's it i mean from the bottom of my heart it's a quality product i'll stand behind all all day long um i don't care if you don't buy it i'm not trying to sell you anything but I, we can take pride in it yeah you know and our tagline here is good people making great coolers and yeah i i just i find a lot of fulfillment in that and this is coming on the heels too of a pretty hilarious string of 
Instagram reels that you guys have put out this week. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's all Sadie. That's yeah. That's... There's been one like every day this week where you guys dropped one of yours and then a Yeti off yeah. the roof, literally in the building. You might have noticed. Yeah, she's just back from vacation. She was hiking around Europe for a couple of weeks and she's making her presence felt. But awesome. I mean, they're good. They're good coolers. Yeah, and we got good people trying to do the right thing, trying to do it a little better every day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, I don't. I don't know what else to ask for. Yeah. Right. I mean, everybody's got to do something in their life. Uh, you got to figure out where you feel like you get some satisfaction mm-hmm. out of it, whether it's, you know, be whatever it may be. Uh, but uh, having a little bit of control over where things go and kind of trying yeah. to direct them the right way. I like that. There's a really cool, man. Because I'm thinking about this, and I know a lot, especially like younger, so I'm 31, Okay. right? So a lot of the guys that are trying to start internet businesses, right, like that are younger than me or around my age or whatever, I've had this sentiment kind of change in recent years where I, I when you tell a story like you had cell phone accessories and that kind of, in that realm, right? And then yeah. coolers, like these are things that exist already all over the place that people need and it's like we'll just make them really good yeah and do it really well and make them better and the people that are here are happy and like and i think there's people overlook things like this when they're trying to find a business that they want to run because they think i want to i want to create the next twitter mm-hmm. or like or this next like revolutionary thing which like those people still need to exist like and they're still going to be useful right but i think there's a lot of there's way more opportunity just taking something maybe that exists and just making it better or serving it better and running a really good company out of it. And there's a lot of opportunity there. There's for a like actual, you know, income potential, which obviously matters, but like to develop something that's cool that lasts. Right. And so seeing like, yeah, cell phone accessories, I would have never thought of that. Right. But like you saw, there's an opportunity there. Let's just do them really well and take the business as, as far as we can take it. And I think that, having that example might actually even be helpful or motivating for somebody like, I want to do something, but I don't know. I don't, I'm not creative to create something. It's like, we don't have to like, just go find something that you want to make better, you know, which I think is kind of a cool way to think about it. it might even ease in more people into like entrepreneurship, which I like, obviously I'm self-employed. I, I do everything myself, Yeah. but there, well, I have a guy that produces a show obviously. So I don't do that part, but um, I'm all about like, find a way to do something on your own. Like we still need people that work in these places, but if you have any sort of ability or desire, like try something and go find something. So it's cool to see that like, there's things like coolers, like, yeah, we've, we've had coolers forever. Like everybody needs coolers. Right. But like, we'll take it and we'll make it better, you know, which is kind of a cool way to think about it. Yeah. I'm definitely more a grinded out guy than a, yeah. a, a grand vision and strategy type guy. Right. Sure. Like, I've had uh, conversations with people where they had business ideas and I thought, you know, that's, that's a dumbass idea. <laughs> yeah. And then seen it uh, make them financially independent. Yeah. Like, you know what? I, my bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Exactly. Uh, that's just not how I'm wired. I'm more of a, let's get in there. Let's mm-hmm. take this step, see how it goes. Keep moving forward. Yeah. You know, Get so a little you, better every day. When you guys came in here, 
what was, I mean, how much of that needed to kind of, cause uh, you guys came into here and took it over. Yeah, yeah. So how much change came in with you guys and how you want and how you envisioned where you wanted to take it? That was absolutely part of the appeal of, of coming in. Like yeah. we felt, uh, the product, the underlying product was solid, which, yeah. which was at the time the roto-molded cooler, yep. right? And it's still our bread and butter. Um, but we did feel like there was uh, some sort of maybe not 101, but business 102 type stuff sure. that we could implement that would, would make a difference. Yeah. And uh, I can operate at that level, right? I'm not like a... Um, Again, it's it's block and tackling. It's yes, yeah. keep moving forward. Um, that was what was appealing. It didn't. It did not. It was not performing optimally. Sure. Right. So, does that answer your question? Yeah, coming in and basically just kind of cleaning the efficiency up needed to be turned bit. around. Yeah. 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 And then, in the last, I mean, I'm just even trying to think in my own recollection. It seems even in maybe the last year. I've seen way more just show up in my, in my social media feeds or whatever within the last year of, of you guys doing stuff. And so, I mean, it kind of seems like it's hitting that maybe a little bit of that trajectory after having everything cleaned up and polished. Now we start sending it out and growing everything because it kind of seems like it's always going to, there's going to be a point where it finally catches. Right. And, and just from my personal recollection, even though I didn't know that you guys were five minutes from my house, uh, like I, I, I'm seeing them way more, which is, which is cool. That's great. And yeah, I think, I think both sides of the coin are present there, right? Uh, the flywheel starting to turn a little bit. Yep. Um, Sadie who's posting the reels is yeah. our whole marketing team, Amy, um, our sales team as well with Tyson and Bree doing a great job of getting the word out there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that you mentioned the reels. We had one that sort of hit and went for a few million views. Yeah. Right. And she's doubled more than doubled our follower count. Um, so we hope that trajectory yeah. continues to go up. But the other side of the coin is you do live five minutes away. You have lived in the Treasure Valley most mm -hmm. of your life. You didn't know where we were. Right. So there's by there's still a huge opportunity almost literally in our own backyard. Right. right? Certainly within our own zip code. Sure. To to get the word out about yeah. you know, what we're doing and why we're worth a look if you're in the market. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I think the first one I'd seen because we have like the, you know, for people that don't live here, I don't actually know how wide DNB is. Like they're about 70 stores in the Pacific Northwest. Okay. But they're mostly just this region, right? They don't go. I think they try and be within a three hour drive of their headquarters, which is just down the road from us here. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Cause the, the one, I remember the first one I had seen is the one with the rope and steer head oh, yeah. on the accessory on the cooler, which is yeah. like, that's the one that's like on display in all the farm yeah. supply stores, which is <laughs> wicked. But like, that's what I remember the first one. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like, and that makes sense around here. Right. <laughs> yeah. And that was not even something we developed. It was something one of our customers developed the, the roping. Head. Yeah. And, uh, and we just came up with the, the cowhide print to put on the cooler <laughs> yeah. to kind of try and tie it all together. But our customers are great. Yeah. They've had some great ideas. That's awesome. I wanted to ask too, um, to kind of almost even circle back uh, from here to back in the team's time of your life. 
how you operate this because that's I mean that's kind of like the theme I'm I'm gathering is you like to be the the operator overseer like get things moving make sure everything's running how it should be right how do you in terms of structuring the employees here right like do you and maybe you do it consciously maybe subconsciously like do you think there's a lot of carryover from how your experience in the teams translated to how you're actually running a team of employees um i i think that by and large the the officers and uh enlisted sailors who are leading people in the navy mm -hmm. are freaking awesome at it i mean really good dudes that have their head on straight and have their heart in it mm -hmm. and you know, I, I did not have a bad boss in the Navy. I mean, I, I can look in the, I tell you, I loved every guy I worked for. Mm -hmm. So, uh, there was there in my experience, at least there wasn't like baggage. I had to shed like, sure. you know, a bunch of hard asses. I don't want to be like that. It was <laughs> right. like, these guys, they care. Yeah. They will put their life on the line for you. Um, they are not going to quit until the job's done. You, 1000% know you can count on them and just the sort of confidence that that gives you to go do your own mm. job. Yeah. Is it's something. Yeah. And I hadn't really verbalized that or, or ever until just right now, yeah. but like I loved every boss I had freaking inspiring. Yeah. Inspiring dudes that I would follow anywhere. Yeah. Um, and so that's a, that's a high bar to live up to. Sure. I think, where, where, you know, if you were to ask people here, like my main thing is show up on time. Mm -hmm. Don't be late. You made a commitment, yeah. keep the commitment. Everybody's human. I was late once last week. <laughs> I, I, I had my head doing something else and didn't see the alarm <laughs> yeah. go off. So just own it when you do mess up. Right. Because everybody knows you messed up. You trying to cover it up is just going to make it worse for everybody. And that's absolutely a lesson from the Navy, right? Yeah. Like, nobody's perfect everybody is doing their damnedest to get this done if if you uh have something go sideways on you get help yeah right do not try and cover it up or fix it if it's beyond your capacity to fix right just be transparent about it and the the cliche for that one is just don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like right. let's, let's call it out. Let's get it done. Yeah. And just be real with each other. We're trying to get to the same place. Yeah. I think the, when you had talked about, you know, the, the guys that you had worked for back then, the way that you described them as, I mean, the, I think the term servant leadership maybe has gotten diluted a little bit a lot recently but there's attributes there that still tie into that phrase yeah right and it's it's not only just like i can i can organize and i can you know uh i can distribute tasks and do whatever but it's also people see you or or you see your bosses back then being the guys that you're like i want to follow this dude wherever he's going yeah. Right. Like they, and they see that. So I think that there's probably, and that's where a lot of this, uh, where with military guys specifically, I, I always want to try to find like, what's the thing that they kept from that time. Mm. Right. Cause everybody, like, like I said, some guys come out and it's like, they live their whole lives 
just like they did back then. It's just now it's over here. Yeah. Or there's some guys that are just like, I pulled one or two things and now I'm just trying to apply those. But in a, in a position where it's like, I've got employees, they have families, they've got stuff like you've got family. Like I want to make sure I'm being the guy that they're like, yeah, that's, I'm good. My boss is good. I'm going to be wherever he's going. And so that's cool that you had those experiences too. Cause me having not served like my outside of my dad and a couple other like friends, dads and stuff that I was growing up with, like coaches were those types of influences in my life. Like I remember coaches I had in college and a couple in high school where it's like, I want to, I, I literally quit one of my sports in college that I thought I was going to keep doing because I wanted to be in the sport where this one coach was. Oh, right on. So it was like, I went there to play football and I was good and I was going to start as a sophomore. It's like my track coach. I'm like, I'm going to go there pretty much just because of him. And yeah. I like, I know whatever I'm going to learn from him, that's going to, I want to be around him. I want to learn. And that's going to carry me. I'll use that stuff forever yeah. kind of thing, you know? So I see there's a lot of that similarity with military guys when they have those, those guys that they work for. That's like, th- those have really big influences even throughout life. Even a lot of times I don't even think stuff that I do or ways that I think were influenced by some of those coaches or things. I'm like, Oh yeah, that totally was like straight from that time in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I had an interesting experience with sort of the flip side of that okay. this year. I don't know what your time's like, but if, um, if you want, I could yeah. tell you. So this, uh, um, bracelet, uh-huh. uh, used to say play for clay on it, but okay. the print has worn off, but it, it was a tribute to my son's soccer coach. Um, who died unexpectedly in January. Oh, wow. And he was that kind of guy. Yeah. Clay was. He was the kind of guy you want to follow, right? Mm-hmm. Just a, a bear of a man, but gentle. Yeah. And I don't know that he ever said a word during a soccer game. You know, he did it all through coaching. He was yep. never the guy that was going to be barking at the ref right much less barking at the boys right, right? he's he's the one that's going to put his arm around them when they come off the field and mm-hmm. uh so he was my son's club coach and then also the assistant coach on the high school team okay and my son was going into his freshman year and they were about they were doing conditioning drills for tryouts when clay passed away okay and it left a huge hole right yeah. like it ripped a huge hole yeah um so the team's looking uh for a new assistant coach to go into the season and they're doing what they can. And I don't know the guy that they brought in as the assistant coach. I literally do not know him. Uh, but my son struggled with it, you know, with yeah. the transition from that was really the first death that he was close to. Right. right. Of someone where he's like, I miss that dude. Yeah. Um, and, and then the new coach was never going to measure up. Right. It just wasn't. Yep. I mean, uh, empirically, objectively, or subjectively. Right. And and so my my son called me one day, and he's like, "Listen, this is what he's making us do," and he's nobody's happy. Everybody's pissed. Everybody's griping. I want to go talk to the head coach, and I'm like, "Listen, this is an opportunity for you to embrace the suck mm. and be." Uh, an example to everybody else that's on your team mm. of how you endure, endure, how you go through the sucky times, right? Like your job is 
right now your job is to love it when it sucks. Yep. Um, rather than uh, taking that rage and internalizing it, flip it around and figure out how to motivate everybody else that's with mm-hmm. you, right? And you can, you guys can all get through this together, but none of you are going to get through it alone. Right. Um, and you got to be authentic about it. You can't be cheesy about it. But when, when you're in your own head and you're like, screw that, man, Yep. just don't. Just look over at your, you know, your buddies that you've known for years from club soccer and even the guys that you just have come to know this year with the new team and be like, we got this boys, yep. you know, let's, yep. that's, that's how you, that's how you win. I think in, in adverse circumstances, because you're not totally. always going to have somebody that you're like, love working for that dude. Yeah. Right. But I would, yeah. I would also, I would even argue like that's rare yeah. in a lot of, in, you know what I mean? And yeah. in, a lot of fields, whether it's work or whatever, like it, it's not as common to totally just have one of those people come into your life like that, that you end up, you know, following. Yeah. And so, yeah, man, that's, that's a really good way to look at it too, because there's so, especially in sports, especially in high school, right? Like that's such a, yeah. such a crucial time for those types of relationships. Like a couple of the ones I'm talking about yeah. in, in mine were like, from that time in my life too, that I still have really good, like they're friends now. Yeah. Right. Cause I'm 30 and they're, you know, they're also 20 years older, 15 years older, but like they're friends now. I, but I still have that, like, man, I really remember when you helped me when I was going through whatever, when I was 15. Yeah. Right. Or like where you pushed me to be when I was 17 and 18 or whatever. And those things stick. And so there's a lot of, even, I mean, in the sports instance, but then in the military instance and the company instance, like all these things are way more similar than they are different, right? It's all organizational structure of some kind, but being able to do it in a way that empowers employees, if it's soldiers or athletes, like that's where, like you said, that's where you're going to be the most successful. So, man, we're wrapping right up on time already. Holy cow. Awesome. Right on. Um, right on. To to kind of close out, I wanted to ask, as we're looking maybe ahead for for what you guys have going around here, just to kind of project a little bit. Um, obviously, like I said, coming in here on the heels of those hilarious Instagram videos this week, you guys busting up coolers. But uh, you know, you've you're we're hitting this stride, like you said, with a lot of this stuff. It seems. Where do you like? What do you have planned or envisioned for where you're going to take this thing moving forward? We just want to be a, a known and trusted brand. I mean, that sounds like I rehearsed it. I actually hadn't. <laughs> but we, we want to be, uh, a, we want to make products people can rely on. Yeah. Right? Like we were talking, I think, before we started recording or early on. No, early on. Yeah. Take care of your gear and your yeah. gear will take care of you. Well, you, your gear's got to be dependable in the first place. Yes. And we want to have that reputation for being dependable. Um, when you're talking about, uh, how to differentiate a product, right? When it's, are you making, just making widgets? Um, yep. We've thought a lot about trying to do that. And I think our, our coolers are thoughtfully designed, but if there were key differentiators that I think we can build on in terms of sure. achieving success going forward, it's uh, hard to see on the podcast, but mm-hmm. the customizable yeah. um, designs cool. that we put on, it's the same material you wrap a vehicle with. Yep. So it's built to stand up to abuse, be out in the sun. You know, it's got a, a UV uh, filtering laminate on top of it. Mm-hmm. We can, it's digital print. We can do runs of one, 
right? That's cool. So yeah. the ability to customize our product, I think, really sets us apart. Mm -hmm. There are a handful of other um, roto-molded coolers that are made in the U.S., but we're yep. proud of that as well. Yeah, and the ones we're throwing off the roof aren't. <laughs> we're not going to throw you off the roof if you're made in the U.S. <laughs> right. And, uh, uh, so I, I think that's a, a good one as well. And then we really try and uh, price the product fairly. We're not trying yeah. to gouge anybody. Uh, I think it's in one of our clips that, you know, this, this should be a tool, not a status symbol. Sure. Um, obviously we want it to look and work great, but it's, it's something you're going to use and beat up. Yeah. And it's not something you buy for cachet necessarily. It's something you buy because it fits the, the use case that you have. It yeah. does what you need it to do. So it's, you know, it's, it's priced at a value. And so, you know, customizable, made in the U.S., good value. And that, and, and usually, like, I guess I can't even say usually, but a lot of times it's like two of the three of those things, right? Like, because a lot of times the stuff that is made in the U.S. just because of manufacturing and cost of labor here and stuff ends up being way more expensive. Yeah. You know, labor's like expensive. labor's expensive and it's good that we pay people well here. People got right? families. Exactly. People got and families. so, but in order to like be able to hit all three of those things, like yeah. that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool thing. So cool, man. Well, dude, I had a great time. Thanks for letting me come out and check out the place and making time to sit down and chat. I had a blast, man. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Great to be with you. Uh, feelings totally mutual. Yeah. Awesome.